And I just feel like all the temples have blessed my life, but the Provo City Center Temple will definitely always have a very special place in my heart. Yeah, it's just one of my favorite places to go anytime we're in Provo. I always make a point to visit it or to see it waved in as we go by. But um, yeah, it's just a special place and I just love the temple. But I think that's everything. <laughs> Welcome to Temple Tours, the all new Latter-day Saint podcast about temples around the world. I'm Jerrica. And I'm Kelsey. Joining us today to share why this temple is special to them are Haley and Alice. I am Alice Abrams Pritchett. Um, My name is Haley Perez. I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada, and this is my story about the Provo City Center Temple. Our goal is to virtually take you to each temple around the world. We discuss the history of each area, little-known facts, architectural symbolism, and we'll always include at least one personal story submitted by you, our listeners. So I just never grew up thinking that I would get married in a temple. I never thought about the temple. I visited the temple very few times in my childhood. So I just never like thought about the temple a lot. And I didn't really think that I would honestly be an active member after I graduated from high school. I didn't have any plans of like staying in the church. Um, And again, not because I had any like hard feelings, but I just wasn't raised in that environment. So it just wasn't a priority to me. And then fast forward to me um, being 16 years old, I was in high school and probably angsty as ever um, and trying to figure out like what I wanted to do with my life because you make a lot of decisions and you're very young. And so it's kind of stressful. And I ended up becoming friends with a girl named Brandy. Um, When we were 16, I had known her for a long time, but we never were in the same friend circles. She basically was also baptized when she was eight years old, but only went to church maybe five times, like before she was baptized and like two more times after she was baptized. Um, But she did have a half brother that was on a mission. And so she had a lot of questions about the church. And even though I did not have a lot of answers, I did have more answers about the church than she did. Um, So we kind of just slowly started becoming friends. The more comfortable we became with each other, the more questions she asked me. Then kind of fast forward a little bit more, um, both of us just kind of slowly like started going back to church, like with each other. I think we just realized like the peace and comfort that it gave us in our life at that time. Growing up, I went to the Salt Lake City Temple. I started going when I was 12. We went for baptisms and it was always a really amazing experience, but I never really felt like that temple was like my home. You know, people always said, oh, when you go to the temple, it feels like you're coming home. And I always felt like it was a fun activity and I went to the temple and I felt the spirit and it was a beautiful place, but I never felt the feeling like I was coming home. And maybe that was just my age or, you know, being with a large group of people, I don't know. But my mom, before I served my mission, wanted me to go to a couple different temples just to kind of experience each how each one does things a little bit different. And so she would take me or my grandma would take me or I'd go with my aunt or my uncle. And I got the opportunity to go to a lot of really cool temples. All of the temples felt really good. And I always felt the spirit but I never really felt like I was coming home. It was, and it was something that I always thought I was going to feel, and then I just never did. Today, we are kicking off the podcast talking about a temple that is very unique in floor plan, in history, and in design. 
It rose like a phoenix from the rubble of a pre-existing building. We've had a few stories submitted about this temple, but first, we'd like to take you back to 1867, where it all began. The first meeting house in Provo was built in 1867. However, by the time it was dedicated, the church had grown enough in the area that it was already too small. The meeting house remained on the property until 1919, while construction and then use of the tabernacle began. On the same plot of land, ground was broken for the Utah Stake Tabernacle in 1882. George Q. Cannon dedicated the tabernacle on April 17, 1898. The tabernacle was used for General Conference twice before it was completed, once in 1886 and again in 1887. Over the years, the building hosted funerals, graduation ceremonies, lectures, and concerts. The tabernacle originally had a center spire, as you see on the top of the temple today. The spire stood 147 feet tall. Bishop John P. R. Johnson cautioned that the tower would be too heavy for the building. About 30 years later, it became obvious that the roof could not handle the weight of the tower. Because of this, the beautiful tabernacle was condemned in 1913, and in 1917, the tower came down, along with other renovations to the building, like new stained glass windows. This change was only one of many renovations that took place to bring the tabernacle up to date with electricity and so much more. In the 1950s, there was another renovation that removed the supporting platform for the already removed tower. In 1964, the church considered demolishing the tabernacle completely to make room for a multi-stake facility and a commercial development. Thankfully, they decided to improve the grounds instead. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland said, No other public space in Provo has ever had such a valid and varied use, and no other structure in this county has ever been such an integral part of the religious and civic life here. December 17, 2010, a devastating fire overtook the Provo Tabernacle. The fire began in the attic in the early morning. The first fire truck arrived at the scene at 2.43 a.m. The flames burned for hours. Most of the roof had collapsed by 6 a.m., and by noon, only the outer walls remained. In response to the disaster, the church released a statement that read, The fire at the Provo Tabernacle is tragic. The building not only serves our members in the community, but is a reminder of the pioneering spirit that built Utah. The damage appears severe, and until we make a structural assessment, we won't know whether this historic treasure will be able to be saved. Immediately following the fire, church historians and curators began going through the rubble to find, document, and salvage items that survived. The next October, President Monson announced that the burnt tabernacle would be rebuilt, but this time as something far more precious, a temple. Of the tabernacle, Richard Talbot, director of BYU's Office of Public Archaeology, said, I like to imagine how excited the first pioneers who built this meeting house would be to know that their sacrifice and toil had ultimately resulted in a temple of God. Before construction could begin, archaeologists excavated the remaining foundation of the previously mentioned meeting house that had been buried and covered in grass and the foundation of a baptistry that had also once occupied the property. This project was completed on March 31, 2012. The foundation that was removed was donated to the city of Provo. 
Helen Anderson, a city spokeswoman, said, We're very excited about this announcement. There are several ways it can be integrated into using it for our pioneer heritage. The excavation of the foundation of the old tabernacle was completed in late April and was donated to the city. Then the tabernacle walls were reinforced with concrete and suspended on stilts so crews could dig down 40 feet to pour a new foundation. The building weighed about 6.8 million pounds. This technique had been used before, but never on a building as old as the tabernacle. Ground was broken in May of 2012 by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland. The angel Moroni was raised to the top of the new center spire at 2.30 p.m. on March 31, 2014, surrounded by thousands of people. The temple was completed and dedicated in 2016 by President Dallin H. Oaks. About 750,000 people attended the open house, including our two guests today. It was a temple open house that changed their lives. I came home from my mission. I went to college. And I spent a lot of time at the Provo, the Provo Temple. Again, lots of really great experiences. I loved going to the temple with roommates and with friends. And I went a couple of times with my fiance and it's all, that temple has always had a little special place in my heart. But the one that really stood out to me was the Provo City Center Temple. I got to go through it a couple of times during the open house and I was just not only blown away at how beautiful the outside was, but as an artist, it really spoke to my heart to walk through the halls of that temple. It is full of so many beautiful colors, bright greens and pinks and oranges, and the wood is this dark, rich mahogany color. And not only are those details beautiful and amazing, but they really took the time to put a lot of original artwork in that temple, and they just fill the walls with this beautiful, and some some of it's not even religious artwork, it's just, these beautiful landscapes of Utah that I, the Utah that I grew up in and spent so much time outside in. And I just remember going through the entrance with the stained glass windows and walking in and for the very first time just being blown away at how absolutely immaculate this beautiful building was. And I had never seen a temple quite like it. And then we went upstairs to the ceiling rooms and the ceiling rooms just I walked in there and I thought, this is, this is my place. This is where I could see my family someday. And so I had never been to a temple open house before and neither had Randy. And so we were like pretty excited. I didn't even, I had no clue about the Provo City Center Temple. I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know it was being built. Like I knew it was in Provo because it's in the name of it, but did not know like where it was at or anything like that. But they got us tickets while we were there. And so Randy and I went by ourselves. I was probably 17 at the time. The whole time we were there, I just felt like, so at home and so comfortable which seemed weird because i didn't really have a lot of experiences like being in the temple so you would think that i would be like more nervous or like feel weird but i just remember feeling like so at home and like just i was supposed to be there we went through the tour walking around the whole temple and the inside of the provo city center temple is beautiful like everything in it is just really I, like all temples uh, but it's just very beautiful and I just feel like it really spoke 
to me as well, just even the design of all of it and like my personality and stuff. And so I just felt really connected, I guess, even just to the architecture and like design. And then when we were walking up to where the celestial room is, you don't see the celestial room, but you see peek into the um, ceiling rooms. And I just remember kind of stopping, I guess, a little bit and looking into a ceiling room the first time I'd ever seen one. For the first time in my whole life, I just knew that I didn't want to get married if it wasn't going to be in the temple. I just feel like that experience changed me. After I walked out of the temple, I realized I would do anything to go back in there and to feel the same way that I did while I was in there. After that, I kind of just changed my life completely around. I completely like committed to I wanted to live a clean and good life I wanted to um, have a closer relationship with Jesus Christ um, about two months after I went through the open house I decided that I wanted to go on a mission which is also something I never thought about in my whole life um, ever 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 so even if, if people did people would ask me like growing up they'd be like would you ever go on a mission and I'm like um absolutely not <laughs> um, and at the time I was still 17 so I still had two years to go <laughs> um, so I had a lot of time and exactly 120 days before I turned 19 I submitted my papers because I wanted to submit them as soon as I could and I made my availability date uh, September 3rd which is my 19th birthday and I left three weeks after that and knew that whole time um, that when I got home like Provo City Center Temple is where I wanted to get married. Naturally, the interior design of the temple could not match exactly that of the tabernacle. Temples and tabernacles have different purposes, so the floor plan had to be altered. The Provo City Center Temple is a lot bigger than it looks. It is 85,084 square feet. The original tabernacle was 30,000 square feet. It has five spires, one large spire in the center with the angel Moroni to reflect the original design of the tabernacle with the other four standing on each rounded corner. Sadly, one of the four spires had so much fire damage it had to be completely replaced. The other three were able to be restored. The temple has four levels. The baptistry, dressing rooms, offices, and bride's room are located on the lower two levels underground. The chapel, endowment rooms, ceiling rooms, lobbies, and other offices are found on the two levels above ground. Patrons enter from the south side of the temple. To make way for larger gardens, there is an underground parking garage that can house nearly 250 cars. The beautiful gardens on the north side of the temple are open 24-7 to the public. The gardens directly surrounding the temple are gated with a fence topped with beehives. The grounds also boast a 17-foot bronze Victorian fountain and a two-story 5,290 square foot Victorian pavilion. Getting to see the murals in the telestial room, I just remember looking, I just wanted to stand there and stay there. And of course you couldn't because they had a line and you had to keep walking through. The people who plan these temples spend so much time on the details and really make it so that anyone can feel like even if they aren't a part of that temple, the temple is a part of them. And I just remember leaving the, the um, open house for the very first time that I went through and just thinking that feels like my home. That feels like 
my temple. That's my temple. That's the temple I'm going to get married in. That's the temple I'm going to take my kids to someday. And, and I don't even live in Provo anymore. And I still think about how beautiful those experiences were. So after I got home, I got home in March of 2019. I was able to move to Provo with um, my best friend, Randy. <laughs> um, we moved there two weeks after I got home. So I came to Vegas, hung out for two weeks, and then we moved um, straight to Provo. And that was one of the very first things I did was start working at the Provo City Center Temple. So it was a really special experience for me because I had now lived, I just feel like that was like one of the biggest turning points like in my conversion to Jesus Christ was like starting in that temple and then after all that time like from graduating high school to going to BYU-Idaho to going on a mission and like being back there it was just really special special because I was able to see all of the progress that I had made and kind of almost felt like I don't know it came full circle and then over that summer I started dating my now husband Spencer we started to get more serious <laughs> over time. And I just feel like, I don't know, the Provo City Center Temple, I just feel like I was never questioned like where I was gonna get married after I decided that. Like I wanted to get married in the temple. I'm like, it will be in this temple. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care who I marry or when or what happens. Like I will definitely be sealed in this temple. Luckily I married somebody that was fine with that <laughs> um, and that uh, didn't fight me on that or anything. Fast forward a little bit through our courtship, we were able to um, get engaged and then get married in the Provo City Center Temple in December 2019. And it was just another really special experience, especially because, again, I just feel like my whole story just came like full circle of where my like conversion process started of deciding to like choose the covenant path and to want to live a life where I was going to be making covenants in the temple to then being able to be sealed to my husband there. Before we tell you more about the symbolism found in this incredible temple, we would like to remind you that you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Temple Tours Pod. Be sure you're following us for a more visual version of each episode with pictures and videos. There are so many symbols in this historic building and connections calling back to the original tabernacle design. First is the stained glass windows, shaped in the original Gothic arches. At the top of each arch, are detailed images, an open book of scripture, a single candlestick, and a beehive. All symbolize study, faith, and the building up of Zion. Though the celestial room walls are not actually exterior walls, mock windows were added with the same shapes and designs to match the true exterior walls. Entering the temple lobby, a beautiful stained glass rendition of Christ the Good Shepherd stands behind the front desk. It was donated to the church from a Presbyterian church in Queens, New York. Many of the original woodworking details from the old tabernacle are found in the dark carvings of the new temple. Concentric circles that surround the choir loft, representing eternity. Acorns from the door handles, representing growth and endless potential. The circle within a square, representing the place where heaven and earth meet together. An original pulpit covered in intricately carved ornate floral patterns is used in the new temple. Miraculously, it had been removed for a performance shortly before the fire took place. Motifs of the columbine flower can be found throughout the temple decor, 
a native mountain flower, symbolizing the Holy Spirit. Original stencil patterns were found among the wreckage of the fire and are replicated in the bride's room across the upper walls. Beautiful green draping leaves tied up with light pink bows. Old Victorian-style wallpaper pattern can be spotted on several walls, a design from the original tabernacle. Pointed arches are not only found on all the windows, but also in many details, including the altars, chairs, and ceiling room walls. My husband and I, um, when we decided to get married, we picked that temple, and none of my family lives in Provo. They all live in Salt Lake and Vernal and just different parts of Utah, and when I told my family that I was getting married in the Provo Temple, my grandma actually kind of pitched a fit and she's like, you're going to make everybody drive 45 minutes to that temple? Like, why? Just get married in Salt Lake like everyone else does. The day of our wedding, we went to the temple. They brought us into the ceiling room and we had a beautiful ceremony in that beautiful room that I had just earlier felt I was going to get married in that room. And it just kind of came full circle. And after the ceremony, we stood up and we got to give everyone in the room a hug. And my grandma gave me a hug and she said, I get why you chose this temple. And ever since then, anytime we drive through Provo, we have to at least drive past the temple because it just brings back so many amazing feelings of, you know, feeling like belonging and feeling like your home. And that's where our family started. And I hope that that's a temple that my family continues to treasure and my kids can enjoy and walk through and feel the same feelings that I was able to feel. As patrons move from room to room during an endowment session, not only do the lights get brighter, but the ceiling height also increases, a symbol of progression towards Heavenly Father. From the back, the temple seats look like the original solid wooden pews from the tabernacle, but from the front, they are individual cushioned seats that open and close to seat patrons. In the creation room, a cougar, which is the BYU mascot, is included in the mountain mural. Many of the 1800s design features have been preserved in charming ways. Antique, colorful oil lamps that have been converted to electric sit on all the end tables and hallways. Scalloped shingles cover the roof, and even the modern exit signs have been styled with Victorian text and embellishments. There, I remember my grandma as well. After my husband and I got sealed, she like came, you know, in the little line of people that come up to you and hug you after. She was just like, this is like what having joy in your posterity is. Like this, like right here, like what we witnessed, like this is having joy in your posterity. And I just think that that's so, 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 so true. That's why we have families is so that we can take them back to the temple and we have kids in hopes that they're able to go to the temple too and have those same special experiences that we get to have. That's why we go on missions so that people can hopefully get to the temple as well. And that's why we share the gospel with our friends and family. And I just feel like all the temples have blessed my life, but the Provo City Center Temple will definitely always have a very special place in my heart. Yeah, it's just one of my favorite places to go anytime we're in Provo. I always make a point to visit it or to see it waved in as we go by. But um, yeah, it's just a special place and I just love the temple. But I think that's everything. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode about the Provo City Center Temple. If you have an uplifting story that you would like to submit about your temple, please email us at ldstempletours at gmail.com.
And make sure to check out our social media pages for more content about the Provo City Center Temple this week. Temple Tours is a production of Mecco Radio. Today's hosts were Jerrica Dennison and Kelsey Josie. Special thank you to Haley Perez and Alice Abrams Pritchett for sharing their stories with us today. This episode was written and produced by Jerrica Dennison. I, Alex Williams, edited this program. The music we used includes Where I Find Rest by Sun Wash, In the Clouds by Be Still the Earth, Wonderland by Midtro, Ray by Kevin Graham, Horizon by Cloud Cover, and After All This Time by Ben Winwood. A full list of sources and credits can be found in the show notes. And we should note, this is not an official podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week for another episode. Mecco.